It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice happy friday march 18th and welcome to not gambling advice today's the day colby top 10 fantasy shortstop this position is loaded we covered 30 to 11 on wednesday show and this is the top 10 shortstops i cannot wait to get into these players because there's so many question marks but when you look at the top 10, it's some of the 10 best players in the entire sport. And all of these guys are getting drafted within the top 40. So this is the bulk of your fantasy draft. What's going on, Colby? What's going on, dude? What's going on? I almost want to get into number 10 right now because like, I'm just looking at number 10. I'm like, he's number 10, but he's about to get maybe one of the biggest free agent contracts we've seen in a long, long time. It's crazy. Or he could get a one-year deal. For the highest annual value of all time. That's what's so exciting. So before we break into the top 10, let's just go over what 20 to 11 looks like. And then we'll break into the top 10. But of course, you can find the full write-ups on JustBaseball.com. So number 20 is Chris Taylor. Number 19, Dansby Swanson. Number 18, Brandon Crawford. 17 is Drake Cronenworth. 16, Bobby Witt Jr. 15, Willie Adamez. 14, Jazz Chisholm, 13, Fernando Tatis Jr., 12, Jorge Polanco, and 11, Javier Baez. And without further ado, Colby, let's just jump straight in because I know we're going to have a ton to talk about about each one of these guys. Yeah, so at number 10, we have Carlos Correa, who is still currently a free agent. And we don't really know much about where Carlos is going to go right now. There haven't been many reports. I mean, three days ago, there was a report that came out that that the Astros were making a very strong push for him. And then yesterday, I saw a tweet that the Orioles apparently have made a 10-year, $300 million offer to Carlos Correa, which is actually the biggest offer on the table for him right now. If I'm Carlos Correa, man, I don't see why I wouldn't want to go to Baltimore, right? You're only 26 years old. You're going to get guaranteed $30 million, $300 million on the table right there. And the Orioles are, are seemingly going to be good in the next three to four years. And I know the AL East is packed, but it's a star-studded division. It's an exciting division. I would take that deal. Regardless, from a fantasy perspective, Carlos Correa is being drafted 99th overall ADP right now. Last year was a, was a great season for him, 279, 26 bombs, 104 runs, and 92 RBIs. But this is the first time since 2016 that Correa has surpassed 600 plate appearances, and that's the question for him. Can he stay healthy 
for a full, full season. Because we know if he can, this is kind of what we're looking at. 26 home runs to 30 home runs. He hits the ball very hard. Last year, his expected batting average was a, was a whopping 296. So the 279 batting average is actually quite low for him. He hits a ton of line drives. He's a barrel machine. And 116 max exit velocity was the highest of his career ever. I like Carlos Gray. He's not going to give you too much in steals. And the, 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 the health questions are there. But at ADP 100, I, I like what I see here. His quality of contact was really, really strong last year. He was hitting the ball in the air. He was hitting line drives. His ex-WOBA, you know, relates to that. And, you know, a 373 ex-WOBA. But my only thing is with Carlos Correa, and this is what the question I ask myself going into every single draft. Do I trust the health? Is it a surprise that in his walk year, he played 148 games? That was the only time he's ever played 148 games since 2016, where he played 153. The last time he played over 115 games, besides those two years, there isn't one. He's played 109, 110, 75, but he was healthy all of 2020, and he was healthy all of 2021. So is the tide turning on Carlos Correa as he figures out his body? That I'm unsure about. That's why when I'm looking at such a loaded position when there are guys maybe later in the draft that I can grab who have a little bit more upside than Carlos Correa because I think we saw his best offensive season. I think that's probably the best you're going to get with maybe a little bit more room to improve. Are you saying last maybe year's little the best bit. he can do? Yes. I don't think so. I'm I, saying... I think the best is yet to come for Correa. He's, he's 26 and just had the best season of his career. But all of the expected stats and, and hard hit rate stats and, and all the things we look at are seeming to push Correa into to being a better hitter next year, too. Um, and to go back to the injury-prone thing with him, like it's such a tough question because was he injury-prone when he was kept dealing with lingering issues? Yes, I think that the answer is yes. But now that he's been healthy for two years, does he kind of lose the, the injury-prone tag? Because once you've shown for two years, okay, my body's healthy again, I think you kind of do lose the injury-prone tag. My thing is, though, it's not two years. It was one season and then a 60-game season. And then the year before that, he played 75 games. So I don't think we can take that injury-prone tag off him yet. If he plays another really full season, even if he plays 130 to 140 games, I think we can then take it off. But that's just what I'm... That's what I'm questioning. Can he play 130 to 140 games again? Of course, he's completely. it's completely possible. He has no injury concerns going into the year. I think he's a solid option, and at the value, I like the pick. But me personally, this system and this position is just so incredibly loaded that I'd rather wait a little bit, get somebody else on the back end who has a bit more upside, in my opinion, or grab one of the top, top guys at the very front. That That's where I lay on Carlos Correa. But regardless, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. And he's a good fantasy option. Me personally, I would just, he's not a guy I'm targeting. I think if he stays in Houston, his, his fantasy value is much higher than if he goes to the Orioles as well. Just because he won't get very as much true. protection in that Baltimore lineup. And he'll have a lot more opportunity to, like, he had 104 runs last year. I think he can do that again and probably get close to 100 RBIs as well in an Astros lineup. I just feel it's incredibly likely that he's going to go back to the Astros. I just, you know, 
Colby, let's be honest with each other. Is he going to the Orioles? It's a cool idea. Orioles are up and coming. But then you hear that Adley Rutschman won't start the season on time because he's injured. And the Orioles have had no success of being able to really promote and develop these prospects that they've had. I mean, they've had all these different pitchers. Kevin Gosman, Josh Hader, Jake Arrieta, and then where are they? And, you know, Matt Wieters was this amazing, amazing, amazing catching prospect. And then he turned out to be pretty good. Pretty good. Not earth-shattering, not franchise-changing. So if I'm Carlos Correa, I'm a numbers guy. I'm looking at the numbers over at the Orioles saying, you know, yeah. I'm smiling the only, for the people on YouTube because... The only way I would sign with the Orioles if I was Carlos Correa is if I knew that that I would not be the only $300 million signing, much like the Rangers are doing, kind of teeing you up here. If the if Carlos Correa was promised, okay, we're going to bring in two or three other you know big gets, then maybe I'd buy in. How was the last Orioles big signing? Do you remember? <laughs> Chris Davis? <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> Terribly. I hope they've learned from their sins. I really do. <laughs> Here's number nine, the guy who did sign the big $325 million contract with the Texas Rangers. That's Corey Seager. Corey Seager, again, now a Texas Ranger, not a Los Angeles Dodger anymore. And when he's on the field, he's one of the best in the sport. That's the problem, similar to Carlos Correa, and even more so. He's not on the field that much. In seven seasons, he's played over 150 games once and over 130 games in three seasons. And he played just 95 games last year, but he was great in those 95 games. He hit over 300 with 16 home runs, and his savant page is as red as a fire truck. He's a guy to be weary about, like I said, when drafting, but he's being drafted as the number 13 shortstop off the board. So, if he was being drafted easily within the top 10, which I think he should be because of the talent, he's another guy similar to Kraya that I might step away from a little bit. But if you tell me that I'm going to get him 13th, when maybe some other guys, like, for example, Jorge Polanco, Javier Baez, all of them are going above him. That's where I start to like the value because there's a lot of upside there for me. But if he, if if he's not being drafted at number 13, if he's going really high in your draft, he's another guy with injury concerns that I'm probably staying away from. Yeah, if he neared, I mean, it's the same thing with Correa, right? If Seager and Correa are nearing 100 and you have a pick where you can get them near 100, I'm absolutely taking it. It's crazy when you look at what, Corey Seager can do in a full season, Peter. Between 2020 and 2021, he combined for 147 games, basically a full season. Combining those, he hit 306 with 31 home runs, right? So the potential you're getting from him if he does, if he is healthy for a full season and is in the lineup every day, it, those numbers are that of a, of a top five shortstop in the game, right, in yeah. fantasy. So it's really a question, do you believe Corey Seager can be healthy, right? He's dealt with these lower body injuries, and that's always scary. Um, But at the value you're getting at here, it's very intriguing, and I think he could even have better numbers than a Carlos Correa. And remember, we're holding these guys to a bit of a higher standard. When I'm saying, you know, don't take him that high up, he's still a really good fantasy option. Like you said, if he plays 150 games next year, he could easily hit over 300 and hit you 30 home runs. There's not that many players in baseball as a whole that can do that for you, and that would get you great in two categories. The only problem is he's not going to steal you 
any basis. Like he's stolen one or zero basically every single year of his career. That's the thing. I think Seager and Correa are super similar as players and, and their similar. value that it's super interesting that there there actually is a, a big discrepancy in where they're being drafted, right? Correa's at 99 ADP, Seager's at 79. So do you take Correa over Seager? Not over, I, I'm saying before, I, but... Am I off on the... Oh, no, that's because Carlos Correa is being drafted as the 15th best shortstop off the board. Like, he's going behind a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. I think people are worrisome about the injuries, and I think it's. I think that's something definitely to monitor. We have them ranked pretty highly based on, you know, possibility of talent because both of these guys could be top five shortstops. So we kind of rank them in the middle between the 15 and the five range, and this is kind of where they ended up because I think the next guys don't have that those same health question marks definitely definitely so now we enter to the number eight spot we're entering kind of a new tier here so number eight it's wander franco he was a rookie last year and kind of took the world by storm he's been one of the super prospects we've been hearing about for the last five years he's on the the level of a tatis of a soto level prospect so taking out the first 15 games of wander's debut last year just to kind of get his feet wet, right? He hit 314 with five home runs, 45 runs in 69 games, hitting in the two and three hole in the Rays lineup. And his bat-to-ball skills are unreal. Pete, I know you love cherry pick stats. I love cherry pick stats. So what did I do? (laughs) I went and got a nice cherry pick stat for us today. I love that. So players since 2010 with a batting average above 285, a K percentage below 15%, and an ISO above 170. Adrian Beltre, Robinson Cano, Justin Turner, Nolan Arenado, Yuli Gurriel, Mookie Betts, and Wander Franco. That is quite a list that Wander Franco is amongst. And the expectation is for Wander Franco to hit above 300, hit near 20 home runs, maybe even 25 if the power really does kick in. I think he has that potential right now. The bat ball profile doesn't really show that because he hits the ball on the ground a little bit too much. And even though the hard hit rate is about league average, he barrels baseballs, so he's not hitting a lot of soft contact. He's hitting a lot of line drives, and he's going to hit a ton of singles and a ton of doubles. Colby, this is who I want. This is the guy, Wander Franco. I think by the year's end, we're going to be having conversations about him being the second-best shortstop in the entire sport as a baseball player, as a fantasy player. The bat is real. Let's go through the OPS numbers, like you said at the beginning. If we threw those first 15 games out the window, 629 OPS in June. Got to get his feet wet. July, 723. He's getting a little bit better. Hit 256. Still not walking. Still striking out a little bit. Had five walks and 20 Ks in July. Then August hits. He's hitting 313 with an OPS of 867. Now he's walking more than he's striking out. Nine walks and eight and eight strikeouts in August. Then September hits. He's hitting 340, 400 on base, 600 slugging, with the 1,000 OPS, and he only struck out twice to five walks in 50 at-bats. Wander Franco is that dude i'm so excited and he's a guy i'm definitely targeting peter you always talk about like this guy's too good of a hitter and and i really do think there's there's like five guys where i would use that for and like it's juan soto Mm -hmm. it's fernando tatis it's trout i think wander franco is in that upper echelon of of just pure hitters he's got to prove it but he will be we're we're projecting like he's 
he strikes really out like less than ten percent of the time. He can't miss. He strikes out so less than ten percent of the time. <laughs> Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else has the bat to ball skills that Wander Franco does. I mean, like, they're they're guys in the early two thousands used to do this, right? Guys don't do this anymore. It's so special. He is special like you wouldn't believe. He's a can't-miss bat, similar to the Juan Sotos, similar to the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. He might not put up gaudy numbers like that. He's not going to hit you 50 bombs like Vladdy could. He's probably not even going to hit 330 like Juan Soto can. But can I think he hit he could. Three, you know, I know, I know, he could, he could. But I guess what I was saying, he's not, he's not going to light up the stat sheet. Like, I think he can be a guy who's like 310 with... 25 to 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, like 100 RBIs, like a He's gold not going to steal 30 bags. He could. He, no, no shot, no shot. He he stole like maybe two bags last year. Like he I that's actually the one concern I have about him is I'm not really sure how he's, much he is going to steal. I think he he's he's kind of capped at like 8 to 10. Uh, which is fine. I mean, you're getting everything else. You're going to get a shit ton of runs because he plays in this lethal lethal Rays lineup. He's going to near 100, 110 runs, no doubt. I'll bet you. What should we bet? Because I, I don't think we should bet money on the pod. What should we bet? Because I want to bet you right now he steals over 20 bases next year. You were just talking about Celsius before we got on the show. I like buying each other caffeine. I, I like that. Let's do. Let's. I'll bet you a case of Celsius. That Wander Franco steals over twenty bases last year or next year, last year deal. Next year, you have a handshake percentile, eighty fifth percentile in sprint speed. He's got the potential, and I think he can do it. So we'll we'll bet on that and we'll see. Sweet. Another bet, another bet. I will bet you a trillion dollars. Francisco Lindor has a better year in twenty twenty two. That's number seven. Francisco Lindor with the New York Mets. From June 1st on, Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor and the host of Locked on Mets, he actually told me this stat. From June 1st on, he had a 124 WRC plus with 16 home runs while slashing 252, 340, 482. The the year that we saw from Francisco Lindor is not the year that we're going to get this year. And and what I was saying, the 124 WRC plus, that's basically what we should come to expect from Lindor. I think what we'd ex- what we'd want is a batting average closer to 270, which he's exceeded in every single year outside of 2020 and of course last year. And he finished the season with a 230 batting average with 20 home runs, but his expected batting average was 24 points higher and his expected slugging was 41 points higher. He's currently being drafted as the eighth best shortstop off the board. This is a guy I'd also really like to target because I'm definitely seeing a bounce back. His batted ball data was completely fine. The quality of contact was great. Lindor had a rough two months to the start of a $341 million contract. From June 1st on, he was a little bit worse than what we'd come to expect from Lindor. I think he's going to be even better in his second year, adjust to New York, become one with the fans, and take over Queens, and be that shortstop they were expecting. I love him at number seven, and he's definitely, like I said, a guy I'm targeting. You know who another player was that fluttered out of the gate after getting a $300 million contract? Manny Machado. He had 110 WRC plus in his first year with San Diego. Kind of lackluster. Then exploded in his second year. Francisco Lindor, as you said, finished the year very strong. Over the last, when he returned from injury in in, uh, August, August on, 47% hard hit rate. 
and all expected stats, like you said, are, are pointing to improvement here. I don't know if he can get back to 270 or 280. Um, he does hit the ball in the air a lot, but I think that the power is definitely there. And as we've always been saying, the Mets lineup has is definitely going to be improving overall. Um, the question is, where did the steals go? Was that the injury, or I'm just kind of confused here because he only stole 10, 10 bases in 125 games last year. You know, in 2018 and 2019, we saw him steal 25-22. He stole six in the shortened season, which, like, if you extrapolate that out, it's close to 20. I think he's going to start stealing again more next year because I think it may have been injury-related, but but it's definitely a question there because that, that's a big thing for his value. I think it's a little bit of everything, right? I think it was somewhat injury-related. I think it goes to show that the Mets, they just couldn't get runners on base. They had, they were, if, if Francisco Lindor is the first guy getting on base with two outs, like he's not stealing. They need to keep guys on base in order to score runs. So I think, and you know, the Mets offense just struggling as a whole. I think that was, it was a little bit of everything, right? I, I, I agree. I think he's going to bounce back with the steals. I just think it was kind of a down year all around for the New York Mets. Something that I think occasionally you can throw out the window. I like I him. Think it, I, I, I think, think totally fun. I think in a normal year, Lindor's probably going, you know, twenty fifteen to twenty spots higher than than his current ADP of fifty. So I think you're you're really getting a good price here. And and this is, as you said, a guy I'm targeting as well. So that moves us to number six. It's Xander Bogarts of the Boston Red Sox. This guy's been a staple at shortstop now for five to six years. I mean, he's just so freaking good as a hitter. That's another guy that's just too good of a hitter. He's so good. Since 2018, Bogarts has hit 299 and has hit more than 23 home runs in each season with a career-high 33 home, home runs in 2019. And he was on pace for 30-plus in 2020. So I think he can still do that again. Last year, he only hit 23. But that seemed like kind of a, you know, there's there's luck to home runs in, in certain ways, right? Some balls land two feet short of, of the wall, whatever, right? I think he can get back to 28 home runs here. And I think, you know, he's the ultimate average boost to your team. Um, 90 runs and 79 RBIs last year seems quite low for how good the Red Sox lineup is and he he hits second and third and fourth in that lineup so I think a return to you know 325 home runs 100 RBIs 100 runs it's kind of what you're going to get from Xander Bogarts and at ADP 45 he's as solid as it gets I agree really solid but some things concern me when it comes to Xander Bogarts for example a 15 point drop in expected batting average 30-point drop in expected slugging. You know, his ex-WOBA, less than his WOBA. Struck out the most in his career. You're right, only 23 home runs. And he's going to be 30 years old. I just don't think that we're going to see better Xander Bogarts. I feel like we're going to see a lot of the same for a while. Like, I think 28 is possible, but I think 25 is much more likely. I think three uh, 300 batting average is possible. I think 285 is much more likely. So that that's where I'm kind of at with Xander Bogarts. I I really disagree, Peter, uh, especially in the batting average take, because this is a guy that has been consistently around 300, and I know you bring up the X batting average, but this is a guy that seemingly defies X batting average's formula in some way. Um, last year, right, yeah, like you said, a 25-point or a – yeah, a 15-point difference in, in ex-batting average to batting average. The year before that, almost more than that, 45-point difference. Another 45-point difference in 2019. 
a 15 point difference in 2018. It seems like he just has a he finds a way to defy X batting average in a way that the system can't quantify how he's putting barrel on the ball. I think that there's definitely discrepancies in these formulas. Um, and for the most part, they're accurate, right? I'm a one always preaching this stuff. Um, but I think for Bogarts, the, the sample size to me that's more important is, is what he's done for the last four years on the field. And, and that is around 300. Um, but yes, I agree. Um, there is question marks about the, the RBI production as well. Only 80 RBIs last year. That's way, way below what he, he should be doing. Yeah, I think I think when you say you especially disagree i think we're we're pretty close i think i you see him doing much better than last year i see him kind of doing what he's did last year i see him and doing what he did last year except for i think that the runs and rbis will just increase i think it's possible and and currently he's being drafted as the seventh 45th overall like for example i would probably take lindor uh, maybe a round later than a guy like Xander Bogarts, personally. But I guess that's just me. All right, we'll break into number five, Trevor Story. Where will Trevor Story land? He's still currently a free agent. That's the question that we need answers to, but here's what we do know. He's a risk, but the reward could be enormous. He had his worst season to date last year, hitting 251 with 24 bombs and 20 stolen bases. And, but he hasn't hit below 289 since his second year in the league, and he's failed to reach the 35 home run mark he achieved in 2018 and 2019. But what can we expect if he leaves Colorado? Well, he has a career 752 OPS outside of Coors Field, but we shouldn't really expect that. It's challenging to adjust leaving and entering Coors Field and a full season to not deal with that, I think, could bode pretty well for him. He's currently going as the sixth shortstop off the board, but I would just be careful with him because it's really challenging to predict a season directly after Coors Field. You know, we could use the Nolan Arenado example um, where he was hitting consistently over 300, 315 in 2019, but he did have a 255 year in 2020, and then he goes to the Cardinals and he's hitting around 255. What do you think? expect from Trevor Story regardless of where he lands like what's a slash line that you feel like you could project I think the power numbers will stay regardless of where he goes I think outside of cores the big thing that always takes a hit is that batting average like you mentioned with Arenado he did take a big hit and I think the power numbers will still shine through I think this is a guy that we've seen hit 35 and 37 home runs back to back I could see a return to 28 30 home runs again and um, depending on where he goes, um, yeah, he could be a 90-run, 90-RBI guy, guy, and he brings a ton of speed, right? 20 stolen bases last year, 23 in 2019, 27 in 2018. He's a guy that's going to go over 20 stolen bases pretty much on command. With that power upside, I like him regardless of if he's going to provide uh, a lot of a lot of stats in, in the batting average department because you're just not going to get that mix of power and speed this late in the draft. Exactly. The mix of power and speed, the five categories that he can definitely um, execute on. So what about number four? So number four, this is a guy I love so much. It's Tim Anderson of the White Sox. TA is nothing short of a fantasy beast. Since 2019, he's averaging 322 and has neared 20 stolen bases in 2019 and 2021. He hits leadoff in a stacked White Sox lineup and puts him in line for 100 runs plus 
The only knock on Tim Anderson, really, is that he's missed 89 games combined over the last three seasons and failing to eclipse 600 plate appearances in both 2019 and 2021, right? So health is definitely a factor here, but if he does stay on the field for 150 games, those numbers are only going to go up. He'll only go over 20 stolen bases, and he's only going to provide more run support for your squad. But the question is, can he do it? At his current draft position, I do like Tim Anderson because you're not going to get guys that have the – I mean, he wins batting titles. That is, that is what Tim Anderson's job to do is hit is win batting titles, hit the highest average in the league. And I love – You're totally right about the 89 games missed from 2019 to 2021. But I wouldn't call him injury-prone like I might Corey Seager or even a Carlos Correa. Like, he played 146 games in 2017, 153 games in 2018. This is a guy who's dealt with some nagging injuries, but he hasn't missed so much time. For example, 123 games in 2019, 49 games in a 60-game season, and then 123 games. I love Tim Anderson because he can hit over 300, and it's not like he can. He will, and on the low end, it's probably 310. That's how good of a hitter he is, and he's got 20 home run pop. He did that in 2018, and he's been around 17, 18 home runs. I think he can easily be a 20-20 guy who hits over 300, scores a ton of runs in a loaded White Sox offense. The RBI numbers, he's probably going to lead off. They're probably not going to be huge, but if that's the only category that he's hurting you in and he gets you you know, top five production in every single other type of category— He's a guy who I love at the shortstop position. I've had him on my fantasy team before. I, I think I had him in 2019, that year where he hit 335. Like, he's just such a good player to have because you know what you're getting, and it's so solid. And last year, he had his highest hard hit rate of his career, uh, 42%. He's never had a hard hit rate above 40%. Um, so that could be something to watch for. I think the only concern with, with Tim Anderson that really taps his power output is he does put the ball on the ground, the ground 55%. But yeah. That's also what allows him to hit for such high average, right? Because he does hit the ball hard on the ground, and, and he's a contact machine. He doesn't walk at and all he's either. So fast. He just puts the ball in play. It's what he does. He's a swinger. And he's so fast, too, so he can beat out those infield hits. Like Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson is also just one of the most exciting players to watch, too. I mean, sometimes you got to draft for excitement. Like, I want to go turn on the Chicago White Sox to go watch Tim Anderson on my fantasy team rather than some other guys where you're like, I know they're good, but I'm not as excited as I am to watch Tim he Anderson. He might be the most exciting player in the league. He's one of them. I, I love rooting for him. Like he's just, he's just gets so fired up about his team. I know. I love it. And here's another guy who's on a new team, the Texas Rangers again. This is Marcus Semien signed a seven year, $175 million. We've talked about Marcus Semien before. You know, 33 home runs in 2019 seems like kind of the baseline amount of home runs that we should expect. I don't think 45 home runs is as likely of a number. I like that now he's getting paired with Corey Seager in the lineup. He's a guy who could steal you 10 bases. He's a run contributor across the board. He's going to score runs. He's going to drive guys in. I'm assuming, the only thing that I'm questioning is, do you think he's going to hit second in the order? Do you think he's going to hit first? Do you think he's going to hit third? I was thinking Corey Seager's most likely going to hit third, because that's interesting. Like, would they put him, because they have Adolis Garcia, would they put him fourth? Is that crazy? Because if they put him fourth, 
I actually love his fantasy value. I know, you know, it's it's not like he's going to tick up a ton if he hits fourth for second, but I think those RBI opportunities are are more impactful, and I think he might sell out for a bit more power if he's slotted into the four hole. What do you think? It seems likely that he's going to hit either second or third. I think they're going to put Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon right back to back, second and third. I think that's that's probably what they're going to do. It's probably what they're going to do. I guess I'm just dreaming on the fact that if Marcus Semyon sold out for power, he could go 40-plus again, but I just I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it, but I do see, I mean, if he does hit in the two-hole, I think, you know, I don't think 115 runs is, is really what he's going to do. I mean, he could. He had 123 in 2019, 115 could. last year. Um, he's going to go above 100 runs. That's that's pretty much a lock at this point. He, he's a contributor across the board, and... Um, a guy that that you should want on your fantasy team, regardless. Yeah, he he's a solid positional versatility. Positional like versatility. he's so good. He's very solid across the board. He's going to give you everything. He's not going to give you a 300 batting average, um, but he's going to give you an above average average, and he's going to contribute in everything from power to stolen bases to the run production. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Marcus Simeon. Now that gets us to number two. This is entering the top tier. Now, this would be a, a three-headed monster tier, but now that Fernando Tatis has, has left the building, or crashed, per se, <laughs> number two is Boba <laughs> of the Toronto Blue Jays. That was so, such a lame pun. <laughs> I love it, though. Number two is Boba of the Toronto Blue Jays. So last year was his first full year. What a season it was, Peter. What a season it was for Boba on the offensive side of the ball. 298 with 20, 29 bombs, 121 runs, 102 RBIs, and 25 stolen bases. So last, I talked later earlier in this episode how we love cherry pick stats. What did I do, do again? I got another cherry pick stat for us. The only Thank hitters God. since 2010 that have hit above 290 with 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases in a season are Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Carlos Gonzalez, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, Ryan Braun, and Jacoby Ellsbury. All of those guys, outside of the one fluke season of Jacoby Ellsbury, I don't think Bobachet is a fluke Jacoby Ellsbury season. All those guys are superstars. Bobachet is going ADP5 and is currently going as the fourth player off the board now that now that Tatis is hurt. I have him I have him there. I'm taking him fourth overall if he is there, and I see him potentially only getting better than this. All of his expected stats were right in line with what he did last year, a 47% hard hit rate, and the Blue Jays lineup is, is as lethal as it gets. 121 runs last year. That's He can do it. I have two stories about Boba Shett. The first one is when we did our ultimate draft. We did it on the Just Baseball Show. It was Jack Arm and I. I picked Bobochet as my DH. And we, we what the ultimate draft was is we were completing a team. It was only three teams drafting, so it's all the best players in baseball. You know, I had Fernando Tatis Jr. at short. They had Trey Tur- like Carlos Correa. Like, it was all the best. And we were coming down to the end of the draft, and I picked Bobochet to be my DH. And the reason why I picked him was because at the time he was the best hitter available. Like at the time it was Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo and you know there were some other guys thrown in there but I wanted Bo Bichette because I think he is one of the overall best hitters in baseball and I'll tell you why 
And here's my next story. So I was talking with our, our friend Dustin Demeter, the third baseman at Oral Roberts, and just a hitter's hitter. This guy's been hitting throughout college. He was first team All Big West um, for the University of Hawaii. He's just a student of the game, great hitting guy to talk to. And he said that he spoke to someone with the Blue Jays about Bo Bichette. And Bo Bichette was playing in a series against the Yankees. And they were throwing him all fastballs. And he was smacking them. Absolutely smacking them. Um, and then he leaves the series. And then, you know, he goes and he's starting to struggle a little bit against breaking balls. So he hears that the Yankees are going to probably be throwing a bunch of breaking balls. It makes sense. He's been struggling lately. You know, it was all fastballs. And then what does he do in the, in the next series? He hits 600 with two home runs off breaking balls. They're spinning breaking balls on him all year. How young of a player to be to in-game basically adjust against a team like the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. He is a different level of hitter, both physically and mentally. I love him this year, and I think he could make a run at an MVP one day. I really do. I think he is the truth. That's a very, very, very interesting story. I mean, you bring up age as a factor here, and last season, that was his age 23 season. So yeah. he's entering his age 24 season. This is a guy that is still learning MLB pitching, still learning every single day out there. What we've seen the last two years is not the peak for Bo Bichette, and and he could very well improve on what he did last year. Again, this is a guy that hits the ball on the ground a ton. If he increases that fly ball rate just a little bit, I think he could really be a 35, 40 home run power guy if he wants to become that. Obviously, at this stage in his career, he is that 300 hitter with the 30 home run power upside, which is just crazy because not a lot of guys do that in the league. But he is a hitter's hitter. He can he can do pretty much whatever he wants at the plate. Think about this. Tim Anderson, a guy who we love about to be 29 years old next year he was a rookie at 23 2016 hit around 250 you know his max exit below is 108 you know like he he wasn't even close to what Bo Bichette was and Bo Bichette is 23 going to be 24 I am so excited for the future of this kid and he's an easy first round talent for me easily easily top five easily. I'm taking him fourth easily. overall if he's there um all right so let's go through before we get to our number one guy, because the number one guy we've talked about at length at this point, like we know, we know it's Trey Turner, but before we get into number one, who is your top five right now? So you got Trey Turner, number one, Jose Ramirez, number two for me, Juan Soto, three, Bo Bichette, four, and five is super tough for me. I, I can't get around to who I want at five. I mean, like there's Vlad Guerrero. But do I want to take a first baseman with my in my first round? I don't know. I, I the thing is, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the the best overall fantasy baseball player last year by value across the board. I would he, he contributed would the most. Him. I think I'd take him five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my five. Exactly how you laid it out. That's also my five. I would go Turner, Jose Ramirez, Juan Soto, Bo Bichette, then Vladdy. And I think you could make the argument that you could take Vladdy above Bo Bichette. I think you could but, make the argument that three, like the the two through five guys, you could split those up however you want. Trey Turner to me is the no brainer at one, and then at number two, three, four, five, it's kind of up to your own discretion and, and how you want to build your team because those guys are all going to bring different things to the table, and and it's really about who do you believe in personally because they're all good. They're all the, they're all freaking amazing. 
and number one is a guy who we believe in and he's the number one player in the entire fantasy baseball draft and he's easily the number one shortstop not easily because Bo Bichette could end up being the number one shortstop but that's Trey Turner of Los Angeles Dodgers you know he's stolen over 32 bases in five straight seasons and he's hit 304 over that span you wrote it in the second base article I mean it's He's being moved around. He's probably going to hit leadoff. He might hit second. He might hit third. It doesn't really matter. He's going to finish as the number one fantasy player because he's a five-category monster. He might lead the league in steals. He might win the batting title. He could hit 30 home runs. He could drive in even 100 RBIs, and he's going to score at a crap load of runs. And I know he only had 77 RBIs last year, but we talked about that. That's probably not what we're going to see moving forward. Remember, half that season was with the Nationals. Now he gets a full season in this loaded Dodgers lineup. Now that has Freddie Freeman, like... I think his fantasy value got even better with Freddie Freeman. This is the easy number one pick, and we debated at the beginning of the year, Trey Turner or Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis Jr., I went on a limb. I said, even with the injury risks, I would take him. Did I know he was riding motorcycles? I did not. That's on me. I should have known he was riding motorcycles and, and, and getting in crashes, but he did, and now Trey Turner is the number one, undisputed. You and I agree. So Trey Turner right now, MVP odds, you just wrote up about to release an article on Chris Bryant's uh, chances at winning an MVP now that he's moving to Coors Field. Trey Turner is plus 1,300 right now to win MVP. That's sixth favorite right now. Freddie Freeman is right above him at plus 1,200. Mookie Betts plus 900. Three Dodgers right there, by the way. That's crazy. Bryce Harper plus 900. Acuna plus 700. And then Juan Soto is plus 280. <laughs> But I, I like Trey Turner at plus 1,300 to win MVP. I think that's my pick. I, I'm I'm expecting an even better year from him next year. And if you get bestowed on you the, the opportunity to have the first pick in your fantasy draft, like in, in fantasy football a lot of times, it's kind of scary to get the first overall pick because it's like, Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick year. somebody that's gonna get hurt or like I mean Trey Turner could obviously get hurt, bullshit. right? But like Trey Turner is is as good of a first overall pick and and is more talented than the second overall pick in my opinion by like a decent margin in fantasy so getting the first overall pick has a lot of value this year absolutely trey turner the only thing about the mvp thing is i'm staying away from anybody on the dodgers you know it's it's really hard for mvp voters to decipher who's the mvp on the dodgers remember the last time a dodger won the mvp was when clayton kershaw won it as a pitcher back in 2014 this team has Mookie Betts Freddie Freeman Trey Turner you know we could go on Justin Turner Max Muncie I mean all of them so that's why I would implore you to not take a Dodger but I think you're falling in love with what he could do and like even if Trey Turner hits 330 with 30 bombs and steals 30 bases like Freddie Freeman could also hit 320 with 35 bombs and then it's like well who actually was the mvp <laughs> let's just go pick ronald acuna jr or juan soto or chris bryant who i wrote about I, that's why i am not going to touch any of these dodgers but we are going to cover all of the future bets all of them as soon as these guys sign we're getting the lines we're writing articles um, on the day you're hearing this which is friday you can read on just baseball.com i made the case for chris bryant who could win the NL MVP in Coors Field at plus 4,000. Now, I'm not telling you to hammer Chris Bryant to win MVP. It's a long shot. It's plus 4,000 for a reason, but I implore you to hear my reasoning on JustBaseball.com. We're also going to talk about it on this podcast. 
But these were the shortstop rankings. Remember, we're playing in a 5x5 five five league. That's home runs, stolen bases, runs, RBIs, and average. These are the 10 best shortstops. We have number 10, Carlos Correa, number 9, Corey Seager, number 8, Wander Franco, number 7, Francisco Lindor, number 6, Sander Bogarts, number 5, Trevor Story, number 4, Tim Anderson, number 3, Marcus Semien, number 2, Bo Bichette, number 1, Trey Turner. Colby, who's someone in this top 10 that you think could bounce out of the top 10 potentially or somebody you just won't, don't you see yourself drafting in 2022? I could see two players here. I could see Trevor Story bouncing outside the top 10, as crazy as that sounds, just depending on how he acclimates to leaving Coors Field. Does the power surge come back? Um, the other guy, Xander Bogarts, does, as you said, there are questions there. Um, does the production start to wane off at, at age 30 for him? Um, I, I don't think it does. I really don't believe so. His hard hit rate was the best of his career last year. Um, but... At his current at ADP, right, it's kind of aggressive. I think that that his current ADP might be a little too high, um, as his story. I have those same concerns, and just to pick a different one because those actually were the two guys that I had prepared to. I'll, I'll harp on it again: Corey Seager and Carlos Correa, just two guys who have dealt with injuries in the past. At the current ADP, I don't mind the value of it. But they're just not guys I'm actively targeting just because I'm always worried about the injury concerns about guys who have been dealing with this now year over year. Both of them haven't proved to me yet that they're 150, 160 game guys. I just think there's so much talent at the shortstop position that those are two guys that I'm not targeting. If Corey Seager continues to fall, Carlos Craig continue to fall to an out, you know, a ghastly price, like if they're below Bobby Witt Jr., who we don't even know when he's going to come up, then I could see the value in pouncing on him. But if they're going as top 10 guys, which we have them ranked because of that upside, I just, for me personally, in my drafts, I don't feel that I want those guys. Such a fair take. I think Wander Franco is the guy here for me that, that could vault above his current ADP. I think next year we yeah. could be talking about him in, yeah. in the same in the same tune as as uh, Tim Anderson, like ADP thirty three, or even he could be even as high as a first round selection next year, depending on how good of a season he has. Dude, he's gonna steal twenty bases, just because he's that good and he can. Well, no, he he heard that that I owe you a, a Celsius case if he does. He's going to prove it. What flavor are you gonna give me when it hits? Ooh, I'll have to surprise you. Probably a variety pack for you. I like the variety pack. What what flavor do you want? If it's not going to happen, so I don't even need to hear your flavor because he's going to steal twenty bases. He's probably going to steal forty. No, but the the reason the reason why I I love that bet is he doesn't have he hasn't really set a precedent of stealing a bunch of bat, bags. Like in the minor leagues, he stole some, but he was never like a crazy stolen base guy. And in the major leagues, he only stole two bases. But remember, he didn't have that much time. He's still getting you know he's still getting acclimated to Tampa Bay. He's still getting acclimated to the big leagues. It, it's okay that he's not stealing bases, but he's in the eighty fifth percent on sprint speed he's one of the smartest young rookies that we have in this sport bigger bases i, I think, think he could grab him i think stolen bases are going to start to make a comeback here they will and i, I think, think he's one of the guys that will kind of burst out and be like oh water franco stole 20 bags last year he can do that too you damn right he can and he's going to do it i think he hits 30 home runs before he steals 20 bags that's my take i agree with you because i think 30 home runs is a freaking lock no people, 20, you're 20, insane He's not. I he, think 30, he's not at thirty yet. His batted ball profile 
right now is not that of a 30 home run hitter, um, which he doesn't need to Colby, be. Colby, I don't care about his batted bro. I don't care about his batted bro ball profile his right battled, now. Battled, I battled ball <laughs> batted. Say that five times about fast. Batted <laughs> ball profile. That's not even that hard to say. I just messed up. Batted ball profile. I don't care. This is another worldly talent, Colby. He is going to be elite. He's going to be a 30 home run guy. He's going to be a 20 stolen base guy. He's going to hit above 300. He might even hit you at 330. And he's going to make the case for the best shortstop in baseball at one point in his career. Now that Fernando Tatis Jr. is dealing with injuries, I love Wander Franco. I will stand on the mountain until I die. It's not a bad guy to stand on the on the, the Wander <laughs> Franco hill. I'd die on that hill too. And that'll do it for this episode of Not Gambling Advice. I am wearing some Just Baseball merch. Colby's got his Not Gambling Advice t-shirt right next to him. Make sure you get your merch in the episode link description of this podcast. And of course, you can find the full write-ups on JustBaseball.com. So Colby, anything else before we part? Oh, I cannot wait to drink a nice Celsius for Peter Apple at the end of this season. Ain't happening. And with that, thank you, everybody.